Welcome back to another edition of the Unreasonable Odds podcast. Steve Buchanan here with my co-host, Julian Edlow. We're back in our normal realms. We're no longer in New Jersey at the DraftKings um, Sports Betting National Championship. Julian is finally back. Everybody is back from you that. You said it correctly. Congratulations. I did because I had to do it so many times during our promo that like now it's like in- embedded uh, into my head. Uh, as you'll see, if you're watching here on YouTube or wherever you watch your podcast, we have a special guest, returning guest, uh, second time on the show, Mitch Moss from VEASAN. We met a lot of the VEASAN guys out at the uh, event in New Jersey. But Mitch, as always, appreciate you having uh, uh, coming back and, ha- and uh, being on the show again. It's great to be here, fellas. Thanks for uh, having me on. I appreciate it. Hope all is well. And uh, uh, we're going to be joining uh, plenty of Week 10 NFL football, and then these guys will talk about sports that I know nothing about, so I will skedaddle on out of here and let the professionals take over in that realm. But like I told Julian, stick with what you're good at. Don't try to get into other sports that you're not good at, because then I'll be giving bad information. Not that I won't do that with NFL anyways, but at least I try to think that some of the information is good. So with that in mind, let's just get right off and start right off here. Tonight we have Ravens at the Miami Dolphins going tonight. The Ravens are seven and a half point favorites on the spread minus 400 on the money line over under on this game set at 46 and a half let's just get right into it julian what are we thinking about this game here uh quite frankly i think this is and we talked about this on uh, tuesday the first piece of your teaser bet for this week with the ravens at minus seven and a half um what are your thoughts on this one the question is where do you finish the teaser this week and we'll get to that when we we go to the sunday board um I wish the money, like this could be a rare week. There's always more value in teasers um, than there is money line parlays. Yep. But because I don't like that many other legs, I was hoping to make the Ravens a, a piece of a money line parlay. But this number's jumping around all day on DraftKings. Like the yeah. spread hasn't moved. The spread's been seven, seven and a half all day, all, all week. I saw the money line down at 350 this morning and now it's yep. 400. Like that's taken away a lot if you're going to try and find another leg. Um, I really wish this was seven. Uh, maybe I'm just being a little too cautious here because I've been getting banged up the last few weeks and maybe I should just suck it up and lay it with the Ravens. Um, I think this is going to be, going to be a, a, a beat down. Um, I, I, I think agree. that Baltimore should handle them in this game. We know that Baltimore historically, whether it be Harbaugh or Lamar Jackson, who's got a kind of a homecoming of sorts here in Miami, um, has always just kind of smoked the Ravens, uh, sorry, the, the Dolphins. So for me, it's a great teaser leg at the seven and a half. If you have something you're confident about, you know, Browns up to eight and a half, Vikings up to nine, uh, the Cowboys or the Steelers down to two. Like if some of these things jump out to you, go, go for it, get through your key numbers. Um, I'm going to think about it up until kickoff, but I, I, or just lay in the seven and a half. Like I'm, I'm going to back the Ravens in some way. Yeah. But this is one that's going to get towards game time for me to kind of, uh, figure out Mitch what do you think about this one here too um you know obviously the Ravens um have been pretty up and down all year the Dolphins have just been almost feels like dead in the water except for that week one win um what are your thoughts on this one here yeah I don't think Miami's very good uh regardless of who the quarterback is I certainly think that Tua is an upgrade over Brissett um I actually I don't mind Tua I think he's pretty decent you know and I, and I hate you. I you know and I hate it when people give up on you know, young quarterbacks after one game or a month or a week, or, or I should say a year or whatever. I mean, eh, give it some time here. I think he has some weapons, but um, I just think, I don't think they're very good. The defense stinks so far this year. Now the Ravens, like I don't, in totality compared to like some of the other best teams in the NFL, where do the Ravens truly rank in terms of a power rating? I'm still a little confused about this team because I, you can gash this team on defense uh, through the year. They're allowing with almost 300 yards per game. And, you know, let's be honest here for a second. It's been, they're, they're a lot of fun to watch. Like they are must watch TV to this point. And a lot of it is because they fall behind a lot of times big in these games. And then it's like, okay, Lamar, I'll go do your magic and see if you can bring us back and win, win, win the game on the field. And he's done it. I mean, he is, think about this. They have uh, fallen behind by at least 10 points, four times this year. He's three and one coming back wow. to win outright, to win straight up. I mean, that's, that's, that's great. So, I mean, that part you have to love. But on the flip side, you got to think to yourself, well, wait a second, why are they getting out to these big deficits all the time? Why, why does that continue to happen? And when you go back and look at their overall resume, I mean, that Colts game, I can't forget. I mean, the fact that the Colts did not hang on to win that game up 22 to three in the second half is uh, that tells me a lot. I think um, 
about that team, but also the Ravens could do anything in the first half. And when they had to have it, they got it. Uh, but that's not the only game. I mean, they've, they've had plenty of examples here throughout the year now where this is kind of how they play. But I will be I will be alarmed tonight if Miami with Brissett, if he's going to be the starting quarterback, if they get a lot of yards like in big chunks and they get out in front of Baltimore early, maybe even big, and then Baltimore has to come roaring back to maybe win the game. That that's I, Because now eight weeks into the season, nine weeks into the season, we'll know, I think, a lot about their defense if that happens tonight. But I don't know if that's going to happen just because, like you guys talked about, the Ravens have owned this team. Harbaugh is 9-0 ATS in his career against Miami. It's incredible. And if you recall, going back to two, two years ago, Lamar, when he lit him on fire and, uh, you know, 59-10 was the final score. That was the beginning of his MVP season. So uh, Miami's, you know, better off than what they were that season when they were so bad. But I just – Baltimore should be able to do whatever they want on offense in this game, in my opinion. Yeah, you bring up that point, too, and uh, I got this from Joe Osborne, our, show, our friend over at Odd Shark, that Miami's actually been one of the best covered teams in the first quarter, and the Ravens have been one of the worst teams uh, yeah. in the first quarter. So talking about that hot start, the uh, the fast start for the Dolphins, uh, and then that's been with the Ravens. They're constantly playing catch-up, but they do end up winning these games outright. So if that's an angle maybe you want to take out for this game, I think that's something that you could definitely do. Um, but I, I, I'm, I was happy you brought that up because you really were spot on with how these two teams have started these games out. Well, honestly, it makes sense to, if you don't want to get involved before the game starts, like just straight up and laying the seven and a half with the Ravens, I would maybe wait in play, right? Like if the Dolphins would get out to a seven, nothing lead or a 10, three lead, something like that, then it's like, okay, this is where Baltimore is going to come back. And I have faith in Lamar, you know, winning this game outright at that point. But I, I would agree with what you guys are talking about with the teasers too. I'm, I'm confident in Baltimore and teasers this week. So before we before we connect those teaser legs, I guess, and, and move on to Sunday and look at some of those spots um, in which we have, I mean, massive favorites once again in a week after underdogs absolutely dominate sportsbooks clean up, um, I think makes that board all the more interesting. Um, but really quick, let's just dive into the rest of the Thursday night games, um, everybody loves to play the primetime props, um, whether it be first touchdown scores, touchdown scores, yardage, all that stuff. Um, one of the spots I like going to, and I'll be honest, I right before we came on this podcast, right around 1230 uh, in the afternoon on the East Coast, I put out my Thursday night best bets article in which I had Lamar Jackson rushing attempts, Devontae Freeman rushing yards, um, Hollywood Brown long reception, things like that. And I think my favorite bet was just put up on DraftKings after I put my article out, which is classic. So I'll, I'll go back and maybe flip this. But Devontae Freeman attempts even money on over 10 and a half. Um, he's been becoming a, a larger part of the backfield recently as everybody kind of gets dinged up for Baltimore. We have this like classic 2011 fantasy football backfield of Le'Veon Bell and Devontae Freeman. Um almost alternating series, but Freeman's been good other than the, uh, other than the game they got blown out against the Bengals where the game script completely went against uh, Baltimore. He had nine carries for 53 yards against the chargers in week six. Then he had 13 for 79 against Minnesota. He's becoming a, a, a bigger piece. And if this is going to be a game with a, you know, you're, you're more than a touchdown favorite here against a defense that hasn't been all that great. The Freeman workload, I, I feel like, is, is going to be there. Yeah, I, I can add on to that if you guys would like. Um, Go for it. I mean, the, the Murray ankle injury certainly um, is big. And some, some of the numbers here with Freeman. So he had a 58% snap share last week against Minnesota. That 58% mark is the second highest workload of any Ravens back so far on the season, if you can believe it. Wow. Um, and you couple that with Le'Veon Bell averaging 2.9 yards per carry. It makes sense that Freeman would be the guy tonight. And based on the point spread, if we're going to get like a margin like this, when they're going to be running the ball, nine and a half attempts, I mean, the second half, right, when they want to control the clock um, and just bleed it and, uh, you know, hang on to that lead, that kind of makes some sense to me. And that's almost one, like, really quick. If, if Freeman goes over 10 and a half, attempts like there's almost no way that's in a a baltimore loss right it feels like so if you just want to if you want action on the ravens and you're not laying the seven and a half same game parlay on drafting sportsbook that it's even money on the ten and a half carries um 
let me actually go in and see. Obviously, you'll get good plus money on just getting the Ravens money line in there, but maybe we can even go down a carry or two and get even money if you go to um if you go to the Ravens on the money line and fewer carries. I don't you can keep talking if you have like a prop in this game, Steve, that you want to talk about, and I'll come I'll loop back to this. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to just be all over Marquise Brown again. Obviously, had that monster game last week against uh, Minnesota Vikings. But you look at the matchup for him this week in coverage. Uh, it's going to be seeing a lot of Xavier Howard, who's been great at limiting the catches. 55.6% reception rate against him. But when they are catching the ball against him, uh, an average of 14.4 yards per reception, he's been scored on seven times. Yep. This season so far, seven times already. So you look at a couple of the props here for, for Marquise Brown, over 63 and a half receiving yards. That's fine. I mean, literally he could do that in just a couple of catches. Uh, anytime touchdown, you're not getting, you know, great plus money on this, as you would imagine. Uh, he's the top one on here, plus 110 on him. Actually higher, uh, a better odds than Lamar Jackson. I mean, we usually win these games with Lamar Jackson. He's usually the top dog for an anytime touchdown score, sometimes even um, uh, under plus money, but he's plus 115 for this one as well. But uh, really, there's just a lot to like about Marquise Brown in this game, plus 110 for the anytime touchdown score, over 63 and a half uh, receiving yards, like both of those. Uh, it's going to be a tough matchup because, like I said, Howard doesn't let a lot of receptions when the ball is thrown to him, but when they are, they are going downfield against him. So with the speed that Marquise Brown possesses, uh, obviously being the, the wide receiver one in this offense, I'm, I'm all over him tonight. Yeah. Uh, what happened to Howard, by the way, what 10 INTs last year. And uh, right now he is pro football focuses 88th ranked cornerback. I mean, that's a <laughs> serious fall from grace and overall the Miami secondary fellas they've allowed. Um, this is pretty incredible. They've surrendered four wide receiver touchdowns and a 100 yard receiver in their last three games. So wow. I think it, you know, it opens <laughs> up for Brown tonight. I'm also looking for stuff. I haven't seen anything yet with Bateman tonight, but Bateman's also been, you know, in three games back since the injury, he's been targeted 20 times. And I think Bateman's going to have one of these breakout games sometime soon. So I'd, I'd pay attention to him. See if you can find out Bateman tonight as well. Yeah, definitely. He's uh, yeah. Lamar Jackson definitely has some with him quick. Yep. No Bateman props as we record on DraftKings Sportsbook at the moment. So nothing up uh, quite yet. Um, and also my same game parlay was, was too smart. It is not on the board. You cannot follow the Ravens <laughs> money line with Devonte Freeman, uh, rushing attempts. So me being smart, you know what, that's, that's good thinking, man, outside the box. That's, that's a great way to correlate the game. Too smart, too smart, man. I mean, <laughs> give me what I want. And this is where I work at DraftKings. Give me what I want. They'll do it. They'll hear me. Um, all right. Any, any other Thursday night football takes before we move on to Sunday from, from either of you? Nope. Ravens roll and we like the props on the Baltimore side. Obviously. Yeah, I think I think um, Jusecki I think Jusecki can have a pretty good game as well. He's turned into a pretty good weapon in Baltimore. They're not good. At, in fact, they're one of the worst teams at covering tight ends in the entire league. Yep. And so, uh, you know, I think his yards prop when I saw earlier before the, the podcast started was around 54 and a half. But um, I like him tonight as well. He's been playing great football. He's been a serious target for the Dolphins. And again, the Ravens are really bad against that position. 53 yeah. and a half on the okay. yards on DraftKings Sportsbook. And I was just looking at over, oh, never mind. That's Gaskin. Uh, yeah, four and a half receptions, minus 105 to the over on, on Gasecki there. Yeah, three of uh, the last four games for the Ravens, uh, at least 50 yards or more from opposing tight end. So they are definitely getting there you go. Uh, having issues back there. Very, very good. Very good. All right. So I mentioned Sunday. Um, we're coming off a week where dogs go 10 and four ATS. We're coming off a week where we say nobody's going to top the, the Jets over the Bengals. And then the Jaguars beat the Bills in a game without a touchdown. Um, I, I don't know what's going on, but I have to think after a week like that, some of the, like, these favorites are going to start coming through. But the numbers are so big. So now we look at this board. Buffalo uh, is down. It was a much larger number, but Buffalo yeah. is down to, to a minus 11 at the Jets. Another big road one, Tampa off a loss, off a bye, laying nine, going to Washington. Dallas coming off another. If, if Buffalo didn't lose to Jacksonville, how much more are we talking about Denver absolutely smacking Dallas? Yep. Dallas laying eight to Atlanta. 
I'm not even, I'm going in order on DraftKings Sportsbook here. They're just all huge spreads. Pittsburgh, not an impressive team, just got by the Bears and needed some potential help from the officials. Lays eight against the winless Lions. A um, little bit more of a game here, an intriguing game. Tennessee, red hot, four wins in a row outright as a dog, laying two and a half, hosting the Saints. Then you have the mighty Jaguars sitting as 10-point dogs against Indy. Interesting, big game in the AFC. Pats laying two and a half at home to the Browns. Big one with playoff indications. Here we go again. Cardinals, 10 and a half at home to the Panthers. Um, Chargers laying three to the Vikings. Denver laying three to the Eagles. Both of those teams at home. Another three-point home favorite. Packers favored by three uh, over Seattle. And then the nightcap is uh, out by you, Mitch. Out Raiders, two and a half point dogs against the Chiefs in... uh, I feel like that Sunday night Chiefs Raiders game that we get every year is always a yep. weird high scoring game that the Raiders always have a chance to win or do win. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, where do we start? Where do we start here? Like, I guess since we were talking teasers on Thursday night, let's kind of fill in there first. Um, yeah. These favorites are all so big, like almost all of them are over nine. So you can't even tease them down through three, which is, what you need to do to get the value here. The only two that fit the criteria are getting Dallas or Pittsburgh, who are both at home hosting the Falcons and lions down to two. Yep. Um, Any, and feel free to go to a dog teasing them up if you want, Mitch, but any, any teaser legs that jump out to you here? Well, I think the two that you just mentioned uh, would make some sense. First off with the Cowboys, does this number make that much sense to you guys? I mean, they're laying, eight now at home to the Falcons last week, they were laying 10 to the Broncos. I get it. They were blown out. It was 30 to nothing at one point, but how are they laying? This is the way I'm thinking about it right now. How are they laying eight to Atlanta, but they were 10 to Denver. Right. Because I would think that the Broncos on a neutral would be at a minimum, a pick them against Atlanta. And I would have Denver favored over the Falcons. So I think I'd be okay with teasing Dallas down below three to two. And then, Look, if the Lions beat me, they beat me, and it wouldn't even <laughs> yeah. bother me, right? I, I On teasers, like, I'm okay teasing Baltimore down with the Steelers to two at this point. And if, if that's how I lose the ticket, so be it. I move on. Onward and upward. So, Mitch, I, I was talking to Julian about this, too, in that uh, going back to the Falcons, I feel like the perception on them is so high because they're winning games right now. And this is a team that was supposed to go nowhere. But right. they're beating these teams that are all under 500, right? But you look at the schedule coming up. Except so for the Saints. Except for the Saints, right. But, again, we're talking about a Saints team with Trevor Simeon. So, like, I can't, I don't really, like, consider that, like, a, you know, like a, you know, a strong win. I mean, it's a, it's a bad team with Trevor Simeon. But then coming up, they face the Cowboys, the Patriots, you know, the Jaguars, whatever, and then the Buccaneers. So, like, this train that the Falcons are, you know, perceived to be on is going to come to a screeching halt over the next month or so. So, I feel like you're actually getting – somewhat of a decent number on the Cowboys because I feel like the perception is so high on the Falcons when in reality, this team is going to be nowhere close to where they are a month from now. Would you maybe agree with that? No, I totally agree. That's why, I mean, like if let, let's say Dallas doesn't have that disaster or let's say, you know what, let's, sure. let's forget about that game for a second. And let's say Dallas played Atlanta last week instead before Atlanta came back, you know, hung on to beat the saints and the Cowboys before that game, the Cowboys were undefeated ATS. Do you think the number would be down to eight? I don't, I don't think it would be. I think it would be sitting at a rock solid 10, maybe even 10 and a half. Yeah. And you know, I'll, I'll tip my cap to Matt Ryan. He's actually been putting up some pretty good numbers lately, but other than that Saints game, I think you're spot on with the schedule and how they've gotten kind of healthy here lately. And I don't like the team. I think they're, I can't bet the Falcons at all. I gave up on them early on in the season. I just, I can't do it. No, thanks. If you want to go ahead. But um, that's the way I look at that game for sure. And my, I guess my problem would be with the Cowboys. I just, I don't like Mike McCarthy. I, I don't think he's a good football coach. And this goes back so long now. And at, uh, you know, we've had the discussion over recent weeks of all of the quote, you know, true contenders in the AFC or the NFC, who would be the weakest link coach, player, whatever. And our conclusion was it would be Mike McCarthy on the Cowboys and anything on any team that we consider a true contender. So that would be the one, the one area where I'd be like, oh man, getting involved in the Cowboys here this week might be a little dicey, but still, I think I almost have to do it just based on the number. Yep. Yeah. I, I agree with you. You're right that 
this number would have been higher. So we're getting value on making it an, an eligible teaser leg because it right. wouldn't be if the number was what it, it should have been. So if you're a value better, you almost feel like you have to use it. Um, and on the Lions side, I, I, I've teased against the Lions when they're at this number all season. And I got by on the Justin Tucker field goal. I got by on the Vikings game winning field goal. The Lions are going to get me at some point, so I'm terrified of them. Um, they I, feel, me, I feel like this is the week. The Steelers are just bad. They they're are just, bad. They're they bad. Owe me, they owe me a teaser loss. So, like, I guess in conclusion, I'm saying I'm, I, I'll use Dallas before Pittsburgh as a teaser leg, which seems weird to say because the Falcons are in the playoff picture now and the yeah. Lions are still winless. So it's like you're fading the wrong team, but Dallas yeah. is obviously a, a better team than, than, than Pittsburgh. Yeah. Um, or you're fading the better team, but backing the better team as well, I guess, in Dallas, if that makes sense. Well, are you guys okay with teasing the Raiders up? Because it's two and a half right now. Yes. Past three right. You get, it the eight and a, get it to the eight and a half. That, that was going to be the point that I was going to bring up that I think like the, one of the best dog to tease up is the Raiders. I mean, how many times have we talked about how bad the Chiefs are against the spread? Mm-hmm. I mean, they can't even cover against Jordan Love and how bad that he looked. And they and the Packers were still able to cover in that game. So now you have, you know, Derek Carr, who obviously has been is lacking some weapons for uh, reasons that, you know, you can all figure out on your own. Um, But to give them over a touchdown against the Chiefs team who just, you know, really didn't even look that great against the Packers. You know, like the Packers are, are, are a decent defensive team, but with all the weapons that they have, they should have been able to put up more points against the Packers. So I, I have absolutely no problem with doing Raiders eight and a half. I, I think that's a great number on them for a team that just cannot cover in the, uh, in the Kansas city chiefs. Here, here's the way I would look at that game because the chiefs have been so bad at covering these big numbers and the number that you can get on the teaser leg is eight and a half. Well, let's just pretend for a second that the point spread was eight and a half. The chiefs were laying that, that amount on Sunday night. Would that not be your biggest bet of the week by far? Yeah. To me, it would be probably. So, and yeah. that, that's the way I look at it in terms of, you know, tied it into the, the whole teaser talk here. And so I'm okay with putting, I would not be, would you be, how could anybody be surprised if the Raiders win this game outright, the way the chiefs have looked lately? Right. <laughs> no, I not mean, at all. Let's Mitch, let's talk about the Raiders real quick because we had you on this podcast over the summer. And I know that you said that you had a big win total as my curtain falls down. Man, <laughs> all right. Well, we got something for the Friday blooper. Um <laughs> move over to the side real quick there you go we're on the move Um, (laughs) my lighting should be fantastic right now ever since daylight savings time the time we record this podcast the sun has now shifted and it's right Mm -hmm. in my face at my desk so i (laughs) put a curtain up today um it was working great until now so all right i hope we can use this to benefit us in some way um but i'm a professional we we move on (laughs) this is this is basically what's happening to our raiders bet our raiders under eight I was on it with you when we recorded. It had moved to seven. We were getting great value. Um, CLV has just been in a trash can, though, this season because it has meant nothing to anyone. Um, but when you gave your analysis on this play, I was like, you, you like took it out of my head. I bet it for the exact same reasons. They, the weapons had gotten worse. The offensive line was a strength of the team last year, and now it was complete turnover to some rookies, some guys we've seen commit dumb penalties. Um and here they are, a threat to win the AFC West. Like, <laughs> what you're you're obviously out there in that neighborhood. Like, what is the the feeling around this team? Why how are they so good? And a million distractions, Gruden, uh, rugs, uh, the other first round pick. What is go ahead? What's going on? I don't think really anybody has um the answer for that, other than with the new defensive coordinator and the defense has actually been playing a lot better than recent years. The defense is actually pretty good. And some of the guys they brought in in the off season worked out, but I mean, if you go back to our discussion before the season, one of the reasons why the main reason why I liked it under this year, well, a couple of reasons, I thought the schedule was very difficult and based on, you know, um, win loss records for this year, that kind of a thing, this, this, the SOS was very difficult for the Raiders. One of the most difficult schedules in the entire league, but then, on top of that, it's because I went back and looked at the recent drafts under Mayock and Gruden. They've been terrible. Yes. Absolutely god-awful, uh, with the exception of, like, Max Crosby. Uh, other than that, like, look at the 2020 draft. Now, with what happened, you know, the, you know, the tragic story with Henry Ruggs, but beyond – and now Arnett, the same thing. This, 
Like nobody's even on they, the roster anymore. They traded they other than Brian Edwards. Like that's it from 2020. But like the other drafts in 2019, Cleveland Farrell going fourth overall doesn't even play. Um, they whiffed on so Hunter Renfro was a good pick, but they've whiffed on so many guys. And this was the year you were going to start to have, you know, you, you need like impact players from your that are in their second, third, fourth years to step up this season. And I did not did not expect any of that to happen. So it's like Derek Carr for, you know, until last week, Derek Carr was playing great football. And other than that, it's just like, watch, if you add on top of that, the Gruden mess, what happened with rugs, uh, maybe, maybe it's finally going to catch up with them here a little bit. Uh, because can you right. imagine a team going through what they've been through the lack of production that they've gotten from key guys they've drafted over recent years. And yet they're in the, they're, like they might win that division. Uh, I gave up on my win total when they were three and zero. I have an under eight at minus one thirty. That was a really good bet. And when they were three and zero, I'm like, well, that was fun while it lasted. I have no chance to get out from underneath this one. So I, I, I wish I had an answer for you, but I don't. Um, the, you're so right about the draft picks thing. Like I can't remember the last time I've watched the draft, and as soon as we see the Raiders selection pop up, somebody's like, oh well. I mean, they took him at twelve. I this guy ranked fifty third. Um, it's always an outrageous reach and, uh, yet here they are. Um, so well, that's 2020, what, 2020 was the biggest too. Cause that's I remember when they drafted Pharrell and we were like, wait, what? And then we were like, trying to find Oh, it. that was nine. That was nine. That was 19. Was it 19? Yes. Um, okay. I remember cause I had the, I, I think I had over two and a half Clemson prospects in the first round. Oh, okay. And there were two guys that went, that were, were like, locks and Pharrell was the guy that was like is he going to go in the back end and the Raiders took him four um that's how I cashed that bet I that's how I remember that I will not forget that incredible like, is, is this guy gonna go is he not and then I like spit out whatever I was drinking so with we that fair with that fair now you're even with the Raiders because they gifted you one before now yeah. you're even <laughs> I don't like I, I'm just hoping for some regression that like, that's, this isn't even real analysis, but like the reason that I maybe wouldn't make them a teaser leg is because I'm expecting regression from this team. Like if it caught up, if the Gruden and rug stuff caught up to them this week and they lost to the chiefs, if the chiefs have a get right game, like would that be the most shocking result in the world? No. But on, on that end though, even if there is regression, is it enough that the chiefs can still cover eight and a half? I don't think it is. Right. Yeah. That's no, it, I mean, it's, it's a real teaser leg. It's a real teaser leg for sure. Hey, real quick. Let me just throw one more out there. What about Seahawks at, at Packers with Russell Wilson expected to return? So you get them up to nine. Yeah. I, like, I don't hate it. We have so many, we have so many of these two and a half threes on the board. Yeah. That you can get up to eight to nine. Um, and it's hard, like use any of them. Anytime you use a three point dog and say, I'll make them a nine point dog. For yeah. you, it's hard to argue against you. Right. Um, like that's why these are, that's why picking these teaser legs is so selective. Um, they all look good, but you have to find the ones that actually are good. Um, I would like, here's devil's advocate why you don't do Seattle. Maybe it, Russell Wilson, it's a broken finger on his throwing hand. Maybe he's not totally right going into a tough atmosphere at Lambeau. And maybe you get a pissed off Aaron Rodgers. Um, I don't like, you know, Aaron Rodgers isn't the most positive guy in the, you know, news circuit right now, but he's a weird dude. And maybe this pisses him off and he has a great game and they blow out the Seahawks at home. Yep. No numbers, way, like no numbers, no analytics, all like just storylines, yeah. gut feel stuff. Well, and I'll, I'll add on top of that with this, like which quarterback in the league has been phenomenal, like in one score games. I mean, it's like this, the Seahawks, they never get blown out with Russell Wilson. I'm, yeah. I'm pretending here for a second that he's going to come back and he's going to be okay. Nothing's wrong with the middle finger anymore. Um, and they always like, they squeak out, they either squeak out these one score games. Like that's been their MO for the last three or four years somehow, or it's like a, it's a tight game and they lose it by like a field goal. So getting nine with the Seahawks there. Um, I, 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 to be honest, I think I got to stay away from the game. There's too many, too many unknowns. Sure. Yep. Nope. That's fair. Stay away game for me as well. Um, Okay, let's go forget teasers. Let's just go to the board sides and sides and totals um, on Sunday. And we can include Monday night football here. The Rams who screwed all of my teasers on Sunday night against Tennessee as three and a half point favorites um, at the Niners. We can include that one in here. 
Um, Mitch, any sides, totals that are jumping out to you in, in week 10? Because as the season goes on and basketball's here, I'm a big basketball better. I, the more selective I'm getting in the less NFL I'll be, I'll be betting. Sure. Uh, well, I like that game they talked about on Monday night. Um, although, like if ever we've been in a stretch where you need to like do the opposite, it's the NFL right now because some of the results from last weekend. I mean, right, we have now it's week 10. We have more questions going into week 10 than ever before this entire season, I think. Right. Like how many answers do we really have about some of these teams at the top? Not a lot. I don't I don't believe. Well, we were saying who's even good right now. Who's a good team right now? The answer is everybody sucks. That's the correct answer. <laughs> yeah, I'm right. Or which, you know, you know what, this is funny, not in a ha-ha way, but I guess it's funny, funny that the team that you can trust the most right now is probably Tennessee. I mean, look at the stretch of football that they're on. Uh, and this is what, even without Derrick Henry taking care of the Rams the other night with less than 200 yards of offense. But I was making the case before the season that you wanted to, if the number was right, you wanted to bet the Colts before week six, because the Colts schedule was very difficult in the first five weeks. The Titans schedule was easy. And then beginning in week six for the Titans, it went Bills, Chiefs, Colts, Rams, Saints. And I'm like, well, they're going to be, what, two and three tops in that stretch? If they beat the Saints, they're going to be 5-0 and oh in that stretch of games right now. <laughs> yeah. and they're, they're, that's who, Come on, no, nobody would have had that a month and a half ago. Nobody would have, right? Yeah. And so now they're, can, can they keep it up one more time against the Saints team that, I mean, major question marks at quarterback. Kamara mispractice on Wednesday. Um the thing is, their defense is really good. The Saints' defense is really, really good. Yeah. But, uh, boy, I would um, I almost like the Titans there. And another favorite that I do like is look the the 49ers' home field. It's the it's it's the opposite of home field advantage. They're actually better off getting away from where they play their games because they can't. They're what what is it one in eleven or something like that straight up in the last. It's something crazy like that going back a couple of years now. They can't win games there, and I just think there are major problems with this organization right now and. Yes, the Rams looked bad on Sunday night. Stafford kind of had some of those really bad throws that he had on occasion uh, with the Lions, but the Rams are just simply a much better football team than the 49ers, and I think they can smash him up on Monday night. Those are two of the spots that jumped to me, to be honest. Um, and the Saints are kind of turning, or at least were earlier in the week, a sharper side against Tennessee. Yep. Um, and it's really all because of that defense. You mentioned how good the defense is. Um but if it's Trevor Simeon and a dinged up or no Kamara can't get like, if it's two and a half at home for Tennessee, the way they're playing, I think you got to go there. And then the bounce back for the Rams against a bad 49ers team that, as you mentioned, has no kind of, of home field advantage. Not that home field in the advantage right now is something you want to pay too much attention to yeah, in the NFL. Um, no matter who you are, uh, the, uh, like the only other thing that I've bet so far this week, I did take the Patriots at a pick right before the COVID news came out for Cleveland. That's now sitting nice. at two and a half minus one forty. would not shock me at all. If the Browns just march into Gillette stadium and win where the Patriots have been dreadful at home, but it does seem like the Patriots have found something. Um, the defense is playing pretty well. Baker Mayfield's coming off a big game, which is usually where you want to fade him on the road the next week against a decent defense to have a bad game. I do. I do like the Patriots. I don't know if I'm going to do, if I would do anything now at two and a half, one forty. but the board is tough. It'll be a few selections for me um, this week. Mitch, I'm curious your, your thoughts on the bills um, jets game. This is slid uh, two points. Now the uh, bills are only 11 point favorites in this one. And I, I was talking to Julian about this off the air too. Like they easily could have lost that game against Miami. They did lose that game against Jacksonville. This offense, like really aside from that fourth quarter, I think uh, fourth quarter against the dolphins has looked inept and not saying that the jets are anything special defensively. Um, but Mike White's looked, you know, pretty good before he got hurt against the Colts. He looked obviously amazing against the Bengals. I don't want to take a side in this one, but do you read into anything that this line is, uh, has dropped pretty significantly in the past couple of days? Well, um, maybe I was a little bit surprised the bills were laying like 13 initially, uh, to begin yeah. the week. Um, they just looked, and again, that's, do we have to just forget about what happened in Jacksonville or are some sirens going off maybe around this team? Because the offense, and I'll tell you what, like I'm believing in, and I have now since like the beginning of the season, after a couple of weeks, whatever, like the regression has been there for Josh Allen. I cannot believe that he's like one of the favorites to win the MVP. He should yeah. not be yeah. there. Um, they, and I watched that whole game 
last week. They were so bad. Uh, and it was basically every facet of the game. The penalties were, they couldn't, they couldn't control the penalties. The defense couldn't really like, it felt like Jacksonville had the ball the entire game because the offense couldn't do anything. The run <laughs> blocking is atrocious. They don't even try to run the football, I guess, rightfully so they've had some injuries on the offensive line, but they could not protect Josh Allen last week either. Um, and maybe there's something to this with uh, the OC for the Jets, LaFleur, the Packers head coach's brother, now going to the press box the last two games. And now the offense is suddenly like clicking. And I know the defense was terrible the last two weeks against Cincy and the Colts. So maybe the Bills get right on offense, but um, maybe the Jets offense is actually coming. You know, they found something here a couple of weeks ago against the Bengals and coming back against the Colts with Mike White. Uh, I just, I have a lot of question marks about the Bills. Like where's Stefan Diggs? Can he have a big game? What happened to the 2020 Stefan Diggs? Right. You know, I, I need to see him a couple of times here uh, in the regular season. We really haven't had a breakout game from him. And I've just, I've watched Allen this year, just missed the mark on a bunch of passes down the field. They didn't even try to go deep last week against Jacksonville. No. I didn't, I was really confused by that game. So I, this is probably another stay away spot for me. Josh Allen being plus 400 in the MVP field uh, kind of opens up value. Um other places, just when you have somebody that's near a favorite, um, eating up that eating up, you know, a piece of that pot, you're, you're going to have value. So I think that's, and the same goes for Heisman right now with Bryce Young somehow still favored, which we can talk about. Um, but let's talk, touch on futures real quick before we get out of here. Um, Tom Brady at plus three fifty. I think there's a little value there with Josh Allen being there at 400 Lamar Jackson at a thousand, these aren't nearly the best numbers that you would have gotten on these guys this season, but we are where we are. Um, those are the two Brady and Jackson that, that jump out to me. Any MVP takes from either of you guys? I mean, the, the, you know, this kind of feels like the, the whole Robbie Ray thing again. Right. And obviously for there a while, you, know, you got to bring up baseball on your Robbie Ray ticket. Sorry. But I mean, to, to be fair, like, you know, obviously it's it's tough for wide receivers to win this award, but like Cooper Cup for what he's doing at 80 to one is like crazy. Like that, that those are some crazy big odds for him. And obviously there's a lot for him to overcome. But if the Rams keep winning, if he keeps getting fed the ball like he is, like this guy is like almost consistently putting up a hundred yards a game every week, like Devontae Adams type numbers. He's like the number one guy in the red zone. Who is the last receiver to win MVP? I have to assume it's Jerry Rice. I have no idea. Do we know this? <laughs> I think he did in 87 in the strike shortened year. Oh, so 80, uh, 87, the year I was born, is the last year receiver. <laughs> I, I think that's accurate, yeah. Yep. And again, Cooper, Cup, and, Cooper Cup's having a great year, but he's not going to win MVP. And, and no, I'm not saying that like this is something to, to you know put a, a, your money on, but like at the odds that he's at, like, like Mahomes is ahead of him at 65 to one you know what i mean like that doesn't make sense at this point and but i bring up the robbie ray i bring up the robbie ray thing because there were guys ahead of him at the time that weren't even pitching like tyler glasnow was on the il and he was ahead of him in the mvp race like it doesn't make any sense so at the number you're getting like there is some value there uh considering some of the guys that are in front of him that's all i'm saying i mean what what if cooper cup finishes you know two thousand yards and 20 touchdowns on the year he shouldn't get consideration Sure. Consideration. Yeah. You, you know what? It's it's unfortunate for people who actually bet Derrick Henry because this could have been the year where running back oh, yeah. <laughs> and the way that he was playing, right? With how many carries, the yards, the touchdowns, where he could have actually stolen it from because if there's no separation at the top, why can't a running back or somebody else like that steal the award? I think that's possible. But I, I'm with you, Julian. Like um, I think you want to maybe get ahead of it tonight before the Ravens played, because what if Jackson goes nuts again? Like yeah. you can kiss, you can kiss 10 to 1 goodbye. Definitely. It's not like this is a spot where he like he should go up in the odds after yeah. tonight if the Ravens just do what they're supposed to do. Right. I, I do anticipate that. I'll, I'll run one future by you guys. And so I do think that DraftKings, I think they're onto this compared to other spots because they have them at 25 to one to win the rookie of the year. Um, it's Javante Williams. Just let me give you some numbers Ooh. on this guy. And first of all, I will fully admit this. Like I am a truther or an apologist, or I love the kid, however you want to phrase it. I think the kid's super special. And I, it's for those of us who have him like in keeper leagues and that kind of thing in fantasy, we've wanted him to steal that spot from Melvin Gordon now for a while. And like Melvin Gordon's actually playing, he's pretty decent, right? He's playing some pretty good football. 
So it's not like Denver can just say, sit down, Melvin, you're not going to play again this year. But, okay, so here are the numbers on Williams. Per pro football focus, he has forced 35 missed tackles on run plays. That's more than 19 teams in the league. Wow. <laughs> what? Think about that. He had a career high last week, 17 carries, went for a buck 11 against Dallas. Now here's the upcoming schedule for Denver and who they play. The Eagles this week, they allow 120 yards on the ground and they're 20th overall in rush defense DVOA. The week after that, well, they're on a bye week, then they get the Chargers. They allow 161 on the ground. They're dead last in DVOA. Then they get the Chiefs. They allow a buck 22 on the ground. Then the Lions, 135. Wow. The Bengals are actually pretty good. They allow 100, and they're about middle of the pack in DVOA. But then after that, it's the Raiders who allow 134 yards rushing per game. The Chargers again, and the Chiefs again after that. Like, I don't know if he can win the award uh, because Chase has really cemented himself here as the favorite, and Mac Jones has, you know, he's really picking up. Like, the narrative is going to be there for him as well. What I'm saying is, don't be surprised if he stays healthy the entire year. The numbers on Javante Williams a month and a half from right, right now are going to look sensational. And so, like DraftKings, I think they know this. That's why they have him 25 to 1. Um, but I think there's something there with that kid. And again, I fully admit that I'm a big fan of his anyway. But that there's watch, watch out for that in the future to really change. Um so I one thing and I Williams, I mean, I feel like that should be more of like a 50 to one type of thing. But like you said, that yep. DraftKings is onto it a little bit here. I will say DraftKings Sportsbook is one of the books that offers you your cash out button. So like if Cooper Cup, Javante Williams, if these are guys that are only going to go up the board, in your opinions, get them in and and sell them, um, you know, yeah. take, take your money back when we get to December. Um, if you think it's, you know, unrealistic that they can actually get to the finish line, which both yep. of them probably are. And that's why they have the numbers that they have, mm -hmm. but get into the conversation. Um, you know, you don't, this sounds dumb, but every bet you place in the futures market doesn't necessarily need to be a winner. It needs to be an investment in, in some cases. So these awards are maybe, maybe some examples of those, of those cases. Sure. And, and uh, just real quick too, um, you know, in front of Williams is Najee Harris, who's having an incredible year. Like there's no doubt about that. But if the Steelers end up being the team that we all think that they are, and they're, you know, I guess you could say overperforming by how their record states, because they're probably, you know, they, they don't play like a team that, that their record shows. Um, if he starts to fall, that's, that's gotta be a good thing for, for Williams, obviously, because there's such a large gap between those two that the Williams should absolutely overtake him with the schedule that you laid out too. Cause you're talking about that upcoming schedule. Like almost every team that you mentioned is in so right as of right now, like the top 10 in yards allowed to opposing running backs. Like yep. he should start getting that, that gap should be closing a lot quicker than, than it is right now. Yeah. I, you know what? I actually, here's the thing. I think a lot of people have it in their minds, like, uh, the award's over with right now. Chase is going to win. Like there's a lot of football left. Like, oh, I, yeah. you know, I mean, this is not over with my, the kid, the kid right now would be the winner. He would deserve it. But like, let's say something happens or, you know, um, I'm not even going to say like, but you know what I'm saying? Like the stats start to, you know, he's not there every single week, whatever. And guys start to catch up with him. I think Najee's actually another guy who could catch him because, yeah. well, put it this way. I think the eight to one on Najee Harris can go bye-bye because they get the lions this week. And, you know, and by the way, how many touches did not, does Najee get like per game? Like he's the focal point of the offense right now. Well, if that offensive line could give him any holes, watch out, but they get the lions and then that chargers defense. So again, in like two weeks, I'm thinking like the eight to one, I think Najee's going to creep up and catch Matt Jones and get close to not uh, to Jamar chase. But you're, you're right, Steve, after this, I mean, the schedule goes the Bengals, Baltimore, the Vikings, Tennessee, KC, which can be a good game for him. But then the Browns, who are very good defensively, and then the Ravens again. So uh, yeah. win it that's a brutal schedule for the Steelers in terms of like winning games overall as well and being in uh, playoff contention. Yeah, Harris is averaging 48% of the Steelers' total touches at this point. That's crazy. <laughs> it's insane. <laughs> do, either, do either of you guys actually have any Rookie of the Year tickets in pocket? Because I do like this market a lot. I think it's interesting this year. I took Pitts early. Um, obviously, that's kind of fallen See out. <laughs> yep, that's that. That's gone, most likely. Um, that's the only one that I had, but uh, I think I actually am going to jump on that Williams one. 
do you have anything going, Mitch? I got on, uh, I was very fortunate. Um, I got on Mac Jones at 10 to one, actually the morning of the Patriots announcing Cam Newton was going to get cut. And I actually, I just, I didn't even know that information yet. I just was, I, Jones was 10 to one and everybody, every other quarterback was way below that, like fields and, and Lance right. and, and, um, Lawrence for sure. And Cam was not playing great in the preseason. Mac Jones was, and I'm like, who knows, maybe he's going to be the starter. I took a flyer on him at 10 to one. I have him and I have Michael Carter at hundred to one, but I, he's been playing better football. Yeah. Like, Carter has too much to overcome right now to win that award. He's right. Yeah. He's another one. I like the player and like, you're going to, when that closes, he's going to be in a better spot than, than when you took it. Um, I have Mac Jones at a good number two, not as good as you I have Mac Jones, eight to one. That's and good. I have Najee Harris, 15 to one. Oh, very good. So I'm in a good spot, but we'll see what happens. And like last thoughts on rookie of the year, like you said, something we're not wishing injury upon anybody, but like Jamar Chase plays wide receiver. He's, you know, involved in plays where stuff happens. And even if it's not something, you know, too bad, but you know, a hamstring costs you a few games. Yep. Somebody can, somebody can catch up. And I will say, whatever year the Kyler Murray year was where he won when there was one week left in the regular season, DK Sportsbook had up Josh Jacobs at like even money and Kyler Murray plus 700 and Josh Jacobs sat the last game of the year. Kyler Murray had a good game and that was all it took to give the, so literally Kyler Murray was obviously the favorite the majority of the year. You could have gotten the best number two weeks before he won the award, which is insane. So This is a fun market. Just keep an eye on it with where Chase is now. Something can happen where Chase doesn't win it, and you're going to get a great number on, on whoever you do take. Yeah. Good point. Um, all right. I think that, I mean, we just covered a ton of NFL. Any other talking points we want to get to before uh, we send Steve packing? Bye. We'll send Steve packing. <laughs> um, Mitch and I are going to go real quick, just a few minutes apiece on some some college sports, some NBA, and uh, we will uh, get you out of here, but we'll be back with the Unreasonable Odds podcast in just a second. All right, we've cut some dead weight. Steve Buchanan's out of here. Unreasonable Odds podcast. Um, I'm Julian Edlow. Follow me on Twitter at Julian Edlow. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Unreasonable Odd. Um, our guest, Mitch Moss from VEASAN, stays with us. You can follow him on Twitter at Mitch Moss Radio, we are going to do um, some quick reps here. We'll stick with football first, go to college football. Um, I have a few spots that I'm looking at on Saturday, all short underdogs. Um, I'm looking at this Penn State-Michigan game. I'm looking at Penn State as as the the short home dog here. you know, Michigan's done well. We saw them obviously collapse uh, at Michigan State, but they're overachieving. And generally, these Harbaugh teams come crashing and burning. We still have the Ohio State game to come, which I cannot wait to get uh, Ohio State in, most likely, depending on the number. Um, I just think this is a spot. Penn State's been down recently. They had, I think it was three losses in a row that they had. If you throw that Illinois one in there. Then they they bounce back with a, a pretty strong looking win. I think the defense will be ready here at at home to kind of slow Michigan. So I've I've them. I took all these on the money line, a little bit of plus money. Um, Penn State there, BC had them on that Friday night game. They looked great with Dracovic back um, hosting Virginia Tech. Now they go to Georgia Tech, who's been a pretty inconsistent team this year. I think that the Eagles are going to finish strong this year. Um, the quarterback being back and that not being as big of a part of this number as I think it should be plays its, its role there. And then the letdown spot for wake um, top 10 team, everything's going for them. They should have beat UNC. They come completely undone and UNC covers that one. Now they're at home against a good NC state team. That's been really good. Already racked up seven wins. NC State plays defense. Wake Forest doesn't. Um, I, I like both of these. Are oh, sorry, all three of these one and a half two point favorites um, on the money line. Mitch, you can give me maybe your thoughts on any of those, or if you have a a Saturday college football best bet you want to throw in there. I'm with you on North Carolina State. By the way, let me let me run this at you. What do you right now at DraftKings? The NC State number to win the ACC mm. is, is plus five fifty. Okay. So if they get by Wake this weekend, they close with Syracuse 
And then North Carolina's at home. That game is on Black Friday. So they control their own destiny. And if you look right now at the standings on that side of the conference, they already beat Clemson. So they're four and one in league play with the win over Wake Forest. That's going to drop Wake Forest down to two losses on the season. And they would then have to, you know, probably they'd get Pittsburgh in all likelihood. Uh, depends on what happens tonight, obviously, in Pittsburgh and North Carolina. But right. NC State could, could beat Pittsburgh plus 550 right now to win the ACC. I think it's a pretty good number. I like it. I'm just ki- I'm killing myself that I didn't bet the ACC before the season. Not that you would go against Clemson, but we had some without oh. um, we had some without Clemson markets open on on DraftKings, which obviously would have been better if you just included them in the field because they, you know, did everything that nobody thought was possible. But the ACC is really interesting, um, and we there's so many like we don't we have no clue who's going to be in that game. We we think yep. we know, um, but that you know what that created by it. the way. You know what they created, Julian? My comp- I have two comparisons for that. Go because ahead. Clemson's power rating coming into the season was so high. Yeah. Right? But it's like, well, who do you make the case for, right? We're just probably going to trust Dabo and that team. They're so good. They're probably going to come out. But that would create incredible numbers for other teams like you talked about. My comparison would be in 2019 for the Golden State Warriors, when they were huge favorites to win the whole thing. Like, there were astronomical numbers out there on both the Raptors, who eventually won, and the Bucks that year who they played in the Eastern conference finals. And I mean, you had uh, my co-host had the Raptors at 20 to one and the bucks at hundred to one that year to win the title, just because there was so much separation and to tie that into this year, like the bucks power rating is so high. I grabbed the bulls at 12 to one to win the central, just because everybody thought the bucks were going to run away with it. They won the title. They're going to have everybody back. Well, maybe not the case, but when you get these huge favorites, it's like kind of an afterthought because yeah, they're going to run away with it. Not always the case. And that that's where you can come in and find value on these other teams. I was the, I was the square that just would not give up on mashing the warriors. I'm like, I know the NBA, the NBA is my sport. The talent wins out. Durant will be back. And uh, nope, that was a bad postseason for me because I would just, I was too stubborn. I would not give up on the warriors. Um, Well, fully healthy. They're not going to lose the title. Right. And the Durant thing obviously did not go the right way. Um, right. All right. That kind of transitions us into into NBA, unless you got anything college wise. It sounds like NC State is your is your spot this week. I like NC State and I like uh, Texas A&M this week, too. Playing a small A&M. number. Okay. On this. Yep. Yep. All right. There we go. Um, transitioning into hoops. I guess we'll start NBA since we're already there. Love your ticket on the Bulls. I was not. um I, I wish I was sitting where you're sitting. I, I should have I should have gotten a little bit of the division thinking back on it now. I have them – I took a minus 150 to make the playoffs. I, I was willing to lay some juice there at a good number, and um, I took them the over 43-and-a-half wins. So yep. I, I liked what I saw from the Bulls. Again, last night they were a team – they were down like four, I think, late second quarter to the Mavericks, hopped on them at a, at a live pick em in that game and they just wind up blowing out the, the bulls are, are one of the teams that I have been tailing pretty hard. The other is the heat who did well by me early in the season. Then, you know, got a little messy in Denver. Jimmy Butler gets hurt in LA last night. They can't get that one. I, I bet him as soon as hero and bam were ruled in, took the four, uh, laid the four and a half. Um, Lakers actually wound up proving themselves with a, a somewhat legitimate victory for once. Um, any, any thoughts in the NBA in terms of teams that you've been on or going against in, in the early going? Um, been on Charlotte a couple of times. I was on them last night against Memphis. Uh, pretty good team. They're dangerous, I think, the way that they play. They had, they, had been, they had been really bad on the road trip, though. I think they lost and went 0-5 ATS. Going yeah, into- yeah they, they, yes, that's correct. I just think that um, – I thought the number last night was too high with Memphis, who I actually have Memphis to win their division – not at a great number. It's like plus 450, I believe. And I bet their win total over. They're a game over 500 right now. But uh, I just, I just, I like Morant so much. The kid is so good. I would say this about the Bulls. It gets real starting on Friday. And they've had a couple of nice wins this week over the Nets and the Mavericks. But the next five on the road, Golden State, a back-to-back Sunday, Monday with the Clippers and Lakers, Portland, and then Denver. So I think we'll find out a lot about the Bulls. By the way, their fourth quarter defensive efficiency is number one in the the NBA, they take teams apart defensively so far. And it's, it's a pretty good makeup. Um, I've been on the jazz a couple of times this year. Uh, that's yeah. been kind of hit and miss. Cause I actually bet them against the bulls and I lost that game, but I bet them a couple of other times on the, on the season. And 
Uh, who, who else am I looking at here? Um, Warriors. Oh, Cavaliers. Cavaliers oh, have been Cavs, yeah. Four, right? Because they're in all of these games, and we saw it again last night, if you grab the four, uh, boy, they gave that game away. And they'd be right there it with is. the Bulls on top of the Central. But how many games have they won so far th- this year as like a six, six and a half, seven, seven and a half point dog? It seems like almost every night. Yeah, the Cavs have been fantastic. And um, I think we're going to get better numbers on them with Sexton out. I think so. Uh, because he's such a big part of that offense, but they can, they survive without him. Um, Garland has been really good. They still bring Rubio off the bench who like single-handedly beat the Knicks the other night as a seven and a half point dog, right in that wheelhouse that you're yeah. talking about. Um, and what it, it's weird. They go with this weird big lineup. They, for the time being with Lori marketing out, they start Dean Wade, who I was on his prop unders last night because he just, he's out there getting cardio um but the and then the twin towers of like jared allen and evan mobley who's been tremendous um deservingly atop that rookie of the year board uh, it's such a weird team but i i like them i like what the Cavs are doing it is the, the makeup is a little bizarre but ricky rubio has been awesome so far this year and i'm, I'm with you i mean mobley has been just incredible and he was really good at usc but um, man, the amount, the amount of talented rookies that we have in this year's class is just, it's limitless. How many, how many great players so far appear to be coming out of that 2021 draft class. And he's at the very top along with Scotty Barnes. And we haven't even seen, you know, the real Kate Cunningham yet yep. because he's been dinged up. He's a guy, you know, normally I would say jump in and get some value on Kate Cunningham because he hasn't gotten going yet, but the way that Barnes and Mobley look, it's tough to advise doing that but again there's so much time to go Cade Cunningham can make up this ground other guys can miss some games it's the NBA um we'll see but this rookie class is is looking good early the last team I'll throw out there and it's not a tough one to imagine but the Warriors are rolling um they've covered I think six or seven in a row I don't have it in front of me six or seven in a row they've won um by they've won a ton of them by 13 plus I think they are I don't know. I just lost the stat that I was trying to use, but the point is the Warriors are covering and they're really good. Um, so, you know, that's kind of something that we say every year, but play Thompson isn't even back yet. That's, that's a team to, uh, to look at for me as well. What do you think happens by the way? What are your expectations for the Warriors once Clay comes back? I think they should be careful with him. Um, and I think they will because they're generally, they're generally pretty cautious with stuff like this because number one, they have so much firepower. And number two, just kind of their reputation, like that championship pedigree still kind of lingers there where they can get away, even though they've had awful seasons. I mean, they just took a couple of lottery, a couple of top seven picks, but they still have this reputation of the Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, um, Steve Kerr warriors that they can get away with it. So they can ease him back in. I think Clay Thompson also gives a really, interesting because he's going to take away minutes from pool and yep. pool's a guy in my mind that is very alive for most improved player in the nba the last time i looked he was like 23 to 1 um and the reason he's so far is because clay is going to take his spot but if they can keep a spot for him like i like pool a lot more than i like wiggins so out I- there um he's a guy to keep keep an eye on but yeah I, I like the warriors long term i think things will go fine with clay because it's the core is still the core that won the championships together so I think that they'll get into a good, good flow of, of bringing him back in there. Right. I also think that they're going to be, could be, if they want to be um, some pretty major players at the trade deadline to acquire somebody else that would help them put them over the top because they know, right. You're exactly right about this championship pedigree, but I think they also realize like as great as Steph has been now for pretty much his entire career, minus the ankle problems right away when he came out of Davidson, like that window, it's not going to exist forever. I mean, Clay Thompson has missed two full years in a row now. They right. had Kevin Durant for what seemed like, you know, forever, but that was, bam, that's gone now, just like that. So they're not going to be – those two players will not be available to play forever, so they need to win as many titles as they possibly can. And I think they're going to be willing to trade some of these younger guys for an established, like, really good player in the league before the deadline this year wanting to win another title. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, Jonathan Wiseman, a number two pick, Right, sorry. Yeah. John, is it yeah. Jonathan Wiseman? They're both Jonathan, Jonathan Kuminga, um, a seven overall pick, another lottery pick in, in Moody from Arkansas. Like they have pieces that they can move to a team and, and get somebody. Imagine this. Imagine had they taken uh ball over Wiseman in that draft. Oh, 
not a piece they need, but certainly a piece they oh. could do something with um, yeah. for sure. James Wiseman. James Wiseman. James I don't Wiseman. know why Jonathan. That was Jonathan Kuminga is who I was thinking of. And then James Wiseman just came to me. Um, all right. Last thing we're going to do before we get out of here, because there are two massive college basketball games this weekend. Um, you have the pleasure of being out in Vegas. I'm going to be drinking coffee on my couch for an 11.30 p.m. tip-off on Friday night. Unbelievable. And there's an East Coast team involved in this game. Number four, Villanova. At number two, UCLA. I get that it's at LA. I, I get that it's in LA. I don't get that it's not like a 9.30 tip-off for us here out East. Um, but I don't... Wouldn't you want this every in, Friday? Come on. Huh? Come on. Don't you want this every Friday in a yeah. mar- marquee matchup of college hoops at midnight Eastern? <laughs> no. I mean, yes and no. The 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 30-year-old, 28-year-old me, yes. The, the 34-year-old dad here. Um, that will have a two-year-old jumping on my head at 6.30 in the morning. <laughs> Does not. Um, but I'm going to have a coffee. I'm going to stay up and have some beers and watch this game. Um, all right. So number four, Nova at number two, UCLA. UCLA brings back all five starters from that final four team. That was not a lightning in a bottle run for them. They are good. But Cody Riley, the big man that starts for UCLA, did hurt his knee yep. at the beginning of that, that opening game that UCLA blew doors in anyway. Um, so they'll be without some meaningful size in this game. That said, I still think they can get through. They have, you know, some size. They have a big senior off the bench that I anticipate they'll put into the, the starting five. Um, and Villanova doesn't start anybody over six, eight. Villanova's good. They're very good. Gillespie maybe will take some time to come back from the knee that he hurt late in the season um, to get right. Juzang is is a terrific player. Awesome. Um, I, I think that UCLA is going to have too much here. They're at home. This went to this was three on DraftKings. The Riley News moved it to two. Um, if it's still there, but laying two with UCLA on this spot jumps out to me, especially with it being in LA. Yeah, I would. Um, I was actually like wishful thinking. I think I had a dream about this game last night. Uh, <laughs> that's how good this game is whoa and now it's four it is it was four. two this morning it was two on thursday morning i promise you and now it is sitting four yeah i was uh i think it was yeah because i had thoughts of going to this game la is about a three and a half four hour drive from where i live in vegas and uh i really wanted to go to the, i've never been to poly pavilion before i'd love to go there for a college hoops game uh not going to be able to pull it off so i actually had a dream that for some reason I, I dreamt that the number was seven and i was like oh my god give me villanova plus the seven um, but at a smaller, this is probably going to be a stay away from me now. Uh, I'm with you on the UCLA is absolutely legit. By the way, Cronin's a really good coach. Uh, I didn't think he was going to be able to do it like this, um, in Westwood, but tip of the cap to him. He definitely has a talent again to, to go on a major run this year. But I also like Jay Wright's one of my favorite coaches in college basketball. And, you know, he won those two titles in a three-year span. And if you go back and look at those, those teams, like in 2016, 2018, we just talked about the Warriors, Villanova really played um, outside in basketball as well. And they, they spaced the floor where they could have four guys on the outside who could shoot. They played like golden state in those championship runs. And that's the makeup of his teams. And if you saw now I get it, it was Mount St. Mary's they won by 40, but Justin Moore was awesome. He had 27. He really couldn't miss. They hit 16 threes as a team. They're dangerous. I, I bet them last April, um, at 22 to one to win the national title wasn't a huge bet at all, but it was something I wanted to have down on them thinking that they'd be really good again this year, but it's probably going to be stay away. And then the other game on Saturday night is also huge Julian with, uh, Texas taking on Gonzaga. So let's talk about that one next. And I will say really quickly, I'm wondering as we record this at about 1:45 Eastern, if there's some Villanova news that's going to come out, I'm trying to find it. I can't find it because I'm, I'm looking around and a lot of places have this game off the board. Um, DraftKings has it up and it has moved two points since this morning. Mm -hmm. So maybe some Villanova news by the time you're listening to this and you're listening to it, thinking we're idiots because we don't know what's going on. Mm -hmm. We don't know yet, but something might've happened on the Villanova side here. Um, All right. You told me um, before we came on a number that you had in mind about this Texas 
Gonzaga game. My thoughts from the beginning, I'll give you my analysis and then we can maybe hear that number and you'll probably know what side I'm going to be on. I think we'll be on the same side. But um, my only red flag with Texas is lack of size or just Gonzaga has so much size with with Timmy and uh, the freshman um, Chet Holmgren, who is very long, not very he's a He's a rail. You can push him around yes. and get some bigger bodies on him. Um, Texas has guys six, eight, six, nine, six, ten that they can throw out there. But these are like, you know, six, ten to seven, whatever Holmgren is. So they're going to be lacking a little sla- a little size. But the trio of veteran guards that the, that the Longhorns have is huge for me. And that was kind of a part of my handicap with taking Kentucky over Duke. I took the the veteran backcourt over the younger bigs and that one went the wrong way. Um, but I'm going to, I'm going to go right back to it here. I think Texas getting a whole lot more points than Kentucky. It sounds like in this spot is going to be the side. Well, we'll see uh, again, this game's not until Saturday night, but you know, a lot of times the number uh, that opens up on these college basketball games is the number that Ken Palm has on his site. Right. And he has it a 10 point game. If you look right now, he has Gonzaga 10 over Texas. And if that number actually opens up at 10, I'm going to have to be all over Texas. I mean, double digits in a top five matchup on the first weekend of the season seems absurd. Yeah. And I mean, I love what Mark Few has done. Love the program. Uh, Hope that he can win a national title at some point. Thought last year was going to be the year. It wasn't. I just, and, and Timmy is such a good college basketball player, but they lost a ton of talent and Suggs was like the ultimate college point guard. He was so good. And yeah. guys like Ayayi and Kispert also there with like veteran leadership. And like he brought in a ton of talent. Clearly that's going to be the case. And they're going to dominate the West coast, but um, like not every five-star recruit is built equally and not every recruiting class is the same just because it might be a top five or a top 10 recruiting class in the country. And I think overcoming their losses from last year, will be a lot. And we're just, I don't think it's appropriate or accurate to think that uh, Gonzaga by default has to be like the six to one shorter shot to win the national title, because I, I think right. they're not going to be as good as they were last year. I'm, I'm with you there. I'm looking at the Kansas's Kentucky's um, maybe even Texas, <laughs> those yeah. type of teams at, at much better numbers. If, if you're going to pick a winner right now um, and very curious to see what this number opens and very curious to go try and find out why this Villanova UCLA game has moved two points um, on Thursday morning. Um, But that about does it for us here on unreasonable odds. We threw plenty of information at you across four sports. Um, Thank you, Mitch Moss from VEASAN for coming on with us on the unreasonable odds podcast. Uh, It was great to have you uh, make your return. You got it, Julian. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate that. Good luck uh, with your bets tonight and this weekend. Same to you and same to all of you, uh, the listeners. We'll be back next week, a more normal week now that we don't have the Sports Betting National Championships um, with our normal Monday episode kind of recapping the week for you. We'll do Odds Are with Johnny Avello um, and hopefully be talking about some winners that we cashed in NFL Week 10. We'll talk to you guys on Monday. Mm-hmm.